This Blitz podcast is brought to you by Bravado Wireless. Available online at bravadowireless.com. The Blitz is broadcasting in HD on your FM dial. Turn your HD-equipped radio to 106.9 KHDT HD2. There you go, Matt. You were asking about advice on things to watch. Might I suggest New Jack City? Okay. You need to put that on your list. Which is currently what's playing Nino's theme. New Jack Hustler. All right, let's hit up the hotline and welcome in the Big O, Jerry Ostrowski, here on the Blitz 1170. What's up, Big O? How are you, buddy? Not much, Pop. Matt, what's going on? Uh, you know, making it through another Wednesday here in this uh, wild, wild existence that we call the National Football League with so many hot takes and opinions just running wild, Jerry. It's like Hulk Hogan running wild on you, brother, <laughs> pointing the finger every way and, and just throwing things out into the zeitgeist and doing the ear listen back to make sure that they can hear their echo of, of the echo chamber that they exist in known as Twitter. It's, uh, it's crazy out there, man, and it's not getting any better. Well, it's not even just Twitter, and I'm part of it, and you'll be a part of it soon with me. Um, but it's the fact that there's so much content creation nowadays. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that it's like if you are really truly, like for instance, I'm on Buffalo Rumblings, which is associated with SB Nation. Do some stuff there, and actually was asked yesterday to do something else. You and I are talking about a thing that we're going to do, some other stuff, and. You know, it's like if you really, truly dedicate yourself to listening to all this content that's created for your said team, you will go absolutely insane. Yeah. And, um, you know, you just have to find your niche, what you like to listen to. But, yeah, I mean, between the Twitters and the the instant content that's being out uh, created out there, it, it gets a little bit confusing and wild, so to speak. Boy, does it. And with that, I don't even know where you want to start, Jerry, because there's a number of different directions that we could go in. Uh, I guess the big one that everyone's losing their mind over right now, though, is what's happening with with Lamar uh, up in Baltimore with slapping the non-exclusive franchise tag on him uh, for a little over thirty two million. If he uh, if he ultimately signs that, which he's he's going to. But what's your overall opinion on what's going on up in Baltimore with Lamar? Well, first of all, and foremost is this, okay. NFL owners and front offices don't care about fans' feelings. (laughs) They don't care about the feelings of the players or the agents or the representatives. They don't care about the players' feelings of the families or mom and dad and wife and, you know, the list goes on and on and on. What they care about is the bottom line and how do they put this entire team together to give them the best chance to win a Super Bowl under what this, this thing that's known as a salary cap. When you look at the Lamar situation, it is it is purely it, – it's actually outstanding business sense by the Baltimore Ravens. What they are doing is, is basically they – why they look like – why people are trying to make them out to be the bad guy for not giving him a guaranteed contract, fully guaranteed contract, is beyond me. It's ridiculous. I mean, you the Browns are an outlier. They're idiots. Mm-hmm. They're the Browns for a reason, right? So you you cannot gauge what you do at the quarterback spot as far as contracts go 
by what the idiots in Cleveland did with Deshaun Watson. And, and the, the thing is this. If you go ahead and you put the exclusive rights um, uh, uh, franchise tag on the Lamar, now not only you know do you limit yourself as far as trades and things like that because it's more likely a team does not want to trade with you, if you don't negotiate the long-term deal, you're stuck with what forty-nine million, I think is what it was, or 40, 49 or forty-five 45. million dollar price. Yeah, forty-five million dollar price tag. Okay, so now they go ahead and they stick him with the the non-exclusive tag. He's at what thirty-nine now, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that correct? No, it's like thirty. It's like thirty-two or thirty-four with the non-exclusive. Okay, thirty-two or thirty-four non-exclusive. If somebody wants to sign him. You get picks and things like that. Makes it more easier to, to work a trade if somebody wants them. But the other thing is this. The, the, the Jackson camp has been preaching that they are worth this much. So what Baltimore has done is said, okay, if you feel you're worth that much, we're going to go ahead and let the league set the value of what, you, of what you're worth. We're not going to negotiate. Why do we need to negotiate anymore? You know where we stand. Let the other teams go ahead and negotiate for us because there's two to three teams out there that want to give them a fully guaranteed contract. Now the ball's in Baltimore's court, and they have to make that decision. If they don't, they get picks and they get value. If they do go ahead and say, you know what, yeah, all right, other people feel the same way, we'll go ahead and sign them and match the offer. So they're in a complete win-win situation. I don't understand why – People are up in arms. This is a slap in the face of of, of, of Lamar Jackson. It's all these things. I mean, it, it, it's strictly business, and it makes the most sense. And it's great to see a team actually do the right thing. And, you know, it, it, this is going to come down to whether Lamar Jackson wants to be a Baltimore Raven or not, to be honest with you, because – you know, he's going to have to make that decision. But, Jerry, people lose track, and I'm glad that you phrased it in the way in which you did. People lose track of just how much of a master class that the front office of Baltimore has been for an extended period of time. And it's through through drafting, and of course they have their warts. Not everyone is perfect. There's not an example of a perfect situation in the entire league. You can make arguments about what they've done in terms of weapons for Lamar. You can make arguments with the way that they handle Ray Rice. But for the most part, if there's a model franchise with the way that they operate from a business perspective, I would put Baltimore at the very oh, close to the very tippy top of my list. And I know you and I have talked about this before, even going back to the Brian Billick days, right, and what they've done through their general manager, who was a freaking Hall of Famer that was there, and they've continued that. So when I hear people talking about, well, wait a minute, you mean to tell me that a guy like Kyler Murray gets this, they gave Aaron Rodgers $50 million, Deshaun Watson got 230 Okay, say what you want about the Packers and their organization, that's fine. Yeah, it's probably pretty stupid with with where they're at now with Aaron and how much willing that they're willing to eat. But those other two franchises that you just listed off, are laughing stocks of the entire league. Arizona's a joke. 
Cleveland's a joke. Can we please stop using those as the shining examples of like good business perspective? Because they're the anti of that. Just look at the NFLPA's uh, 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 that little list that came out of of how bad that they treat that their own players and their own organization that came out from the Players Association. They're known to be jokes. So can we stop using those as the glowing examples of what to do? Exactly, and and you know it's it's. Here's what you have to figure out in, in your world, okay? And this is something that, Cl- that Cincinnati's really going to have to to figure out. And, and obviously, they're never going to let Joe Burrow go, but signing Joe Burrow for what he's worth very well might handicap that football team for years to come because we all know that, that Mike Brown is an incredibly frugal and cheap owner. But what you're going to have to understand is this, is that and if you were going to go ahead and do what the other teams have done, the, the Chiefs, the Bills have done it, some of these other teams, where you're going to put 17, 18, 20, 22, 23% of your salary cap number tied up into one player, you are going to have to figure out how to manage the rest of your roster. The Chiefs, obviously, to me, have figured it out. The Chiefs have figured out the magic system, which I think goes back to Belichick, which I think Belichick did so wonderfully, which is he found veteran role players. He found vets that could not only bring leadership, but maybe they weren't quite the player they were five years or six years before that, but there's still a few things they did really, really well, and he put them in those positions to do those things well for his football team. You've got to be able to go into the, into the veteran pool and pull guys out every year. And, you know, there's a lot of vets out there that can play really good football that would take less money to continue their careers. You've got to find those guys. You know, Juju, Juju Smith-Schuster is a guy that comes to the top of my head this year for the Chiefs, okay? They've gone out and done it. You cannot fall in love with your own players. The interesting thing is I think it's happening right now in Buffalo. If you look at the Bills, they signed Josh Allen to the big contract. He's eating up about 17 or 18% of their cap. Now all of a sudden they've got a guy named Jordan Poyer who is one half of one of the best, if not the best, safety tandems in the NFL. And all of a sudden he's probably going to walk. Well, why is that? Well, he's, he's over 30 years old. He's over 10 years as a player, and he's had injuries. You can't pay that guy the premium because the fan base is on Twitter and in, and in YouTube shows going nuts about letting him go. They're even doing it with, Ter- with, with Terrell Edmonds. Yeah. I mean, this is a guy that's in his, after his fifth year, he's going to his sixth year, he's a first-round pick. They used his fifth-year option. Tremendous player, okay? He fits that system of defense really, really well. The market right now is saying he's probably going to get $17 million a year from a team. Is that guy worth it, or can I go find um, the middle linebacker who just got released by Tampa Bay, White, can I get him at a reduced number, and he does the same thing? You know what I'm saying? So it's like you've really got to be able to identify the vets that can come in and fill roles, and then you have to draft really, really well because you have to understand, Pop, you're only going to probably get 90% of your guys First rounders for five years at the most, the rest of them four years. The first thing I want to say is I don't want anyone that's listening to this thinking that 
this is us saying here that we don't want Lamar to get paid. That's not that that's that's the furthest thing from the Lamar truth. Lamar is one of my favorite you, players in the league. You, I'm just speaking at you from business. yeah. You you know how I am. Get your money, son. Like get your money, right? I've I've right. always been that way. Go get your money. But Lamar bet on himself in multiple ways with what he has demanded and being his own agent. And that's the Ravens now essentially calling him on them, being like, okay, if you think that's your value, now we've given you the platform where you can come back here and play for this and we can continue to try to work on this. Or if you really think you're worth that, then someone will try to offer you that. So with that said, to your point about the way the league operates now, I told you earlier that this is where, in my opinion, that you separate the really good front offices from the lazy front offices because doing your homework and finding those guys that are the vets that fit a specific role that you can get for a certain amount that are willing to play on that certain amount is one instance. And then the other instance is you better damn sure have your ducks in a row when it comes to what you're doing in the draft. Now, some of that could be luck uh, when hitting on those guys, but you know as well as I do, some do it better than others. It's the perfect blend and combination of those teams that are ultimately going to come away the winners. And your example of Kansas City is exactly right. Kansas City went out, spent on a couple of free agents for their offensive line, but drafted a lot of those guys. They've hit on it. And you know what? They, they are at least in the place where they're comfortable and believe enough in their system and what they're doing that even if they were to have to move on from, say, an Orlando Brown or someone else, that they feel like that, yeah, it may not be that caliber of player right away but we can find someone or develop someone through the draft that we feel comfortable enough that can take over and very rarely do you have that 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 both combination in the league anymore because some teams are just flat out lazy right but here's the difference too and i think this is something that i i didn't touch on earlier the com- the comments we're making right now revolve around the teams that obviously there's one piece that has to be there and that is the quarterback. Yes. Okay. You said something earlier in the show when I was listening and driving home. You made the comment about what three hundred some billion people in the world, and we've got eight elite quarterbacks. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's an, that's an amazing, that's a great, great quote, and it's a great point. You know, obviously the Chiefs have their guy in Mahomes. The Bills think they have their guy in Josh Allen. You know, there's other teams out there. You know, Cincinnati has has Burrow. Is, is is Lamar one of those eight guys? Is he a guy that they're willing to blow 25% of their cap on because they feel they can win a Super Bowl with him? If you look at the stats, folks, strictly stats, strictly, um, you know, outcomes. He's had opportunities in the playoffs to do it and hasn't done it yet. I mean, we're trying to negotiate a record-breaking deal right now on one thing and that one thing is he did win an MVP and I'm not taking anything away from that but you know this isn't Aaron Rodgers bringing a Super Bowl into town okay this isn't some of these other guys and what they've done so you've you know I I really commend Baltimore for being smart here but you know it's those it's those three things And, and, and the other thing is this pop real quick and I know you want to move on to something else to get those vets to your team the guys that are willing to take less money to be those types of players, you've got to do one thing to get them there, and that is you have to have a culture. Mm-hmm. You have to build a winning culture. And the NFLPA actually has a report card. If I find it, I'll send it to you, where they, they survey players and they yeah. grade each team. Yeah, we talked about that. 
travel, all those things. If you look at these teams, I guarantee you, um, you know, you have to build that culture to get those guys there, uh, you know, taking less money. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. All right, uh, moving on from Lamar. <laughs> By the way, I just love the – everyone just jumped to conclusions already that there was collusion. Not saying that there's not, but, I mean, we weren't even a, a, a total hour off of him having the franchise tag slapped on him that everyone's like, oh, my God, all these teams are out on him. What What is wrong with you? Like, calm down. We've got a ways to go in this process. We just jumped to conclusions too many times. Uh, to, I know I know Dan, Mr. I'm in Sepulpa, and I can't turn around to come get a piece of equipment that I caught, was, was <laughs> railing on the Aaron Rodgers situation in Green Bay. But to your point earlier, look, dude, I think we have a clear pathway on how the Packers think about Aaron right now with the contention from the Jets going to meet with him uh, because your your biggest and best point of all today was he's still under freaking contract. So, so yeah, like settle down on some of the over-the-top Aaron Rodgers takes when he's under contract, but it's clear that the Packers are willing and ready to move on or the Jets wouldn't have a contingency that's flying there, a contingent that's flying there to talk with him. Well, I guess Green Bay's getting ready to, to accept the fact that they're going to suck. Because, y- yeah. Um, unless, unless, they find, unless they can pull a quarterback out of their hat, um, if Aaron Rodgers is not there, they're obviously not going to be the team they were. I, I just wish, you know, Aaron, when Aaron grows the hair a little long and he has the beard, he, he has kind of a CM Punk look to him. He does. I don't think, I don't think that anybody would – I think he would be an unbelievable professional wrestler. Nobody can go from heel to babyface back to heel quicker than Aaron Rodgers. And he plays everybody like a fiddle. I think it's, it's wonderful. But you're right. I mean, why does he have to tell anybody what to do? He's still under contract. Yeah. He's still a Packer. Okay? If you want to get mad at somebody, tell the, be mad at the Packers for telling them to go find somewhere to go. I mean, I, I don't know, man. I just I get tickled with this, and it's, it's, it's what makes the NFL great, but it's also what makes it just sometimes mind-boggling and just, just numbs the mind. So I was trying to explain to Matt yesterday – Based off some comments from Jerry Jones, I guess I could stop right there on the on the term comments from Jerry Jones. But but Jerry said something that kind of pulled the curtain back on how ownership really feels about things. So, Jerry, I was trying to explain to Matt about the whole idea of the franchise tag and about how the owners fought for this tooth and nail, right? They fought to the death to have the franchise tag, two versions of it. As a matter of fact, the majority of owners wanted more than one tag. Jerry said it yesterday, flat out to every reporter's face. By the way, when he forgot how many years that Dak has been in the league, oh, yeah, that happened. He was like, yeah, Dak won, uh, Dak in his fifth year, and a reporter went, wait a minute, Dak's entering his eighth year, so what are you talking about here? But Jerry said, uh, yeah, we slapped the tag on Pollard. I wish I had two or three more. They've wanted more forever. It's a way for them to continue to game the sport the way that they always have before, right? But that that right. tells you exactly the the mentality and mindset behind ownership is that they wish they had three or four franchise tags to be able to slap on people. You know, that's the one thing that I wish that um, in the last collective bargaining agreement they would have got rid of. I, I hate the franchise tag for players. I hate the transition tag for players. Um, obviously they probably, you know, 
knowing our players association, they probably didn't even talk about it. But um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's 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 it sucks that a guy, you know, like Orlando Brown, if they wanted to try, if they wanted to to go ahead and, and tag him again in Kansas City, um, they could have done it. I mean, he'd made a hundred and he'd made a hundred and twenty percent of what he made the year before. Um, and I heard this, this is pretty interesting stuff. So they thought that Orlando Brown was worth this. They put a value on him of a certain amount. I think it was like 17 million a year. Um, and so they go ahead and they franchise tag him. Then a franchise tag him again, they had to give him 120%. But if you added the two years together and averaged it, it would have been right where they thought he was valued. Yeah. That's always pretty interesting. But obviously I think the chiefs are, you know, the chiefs are thinking that maybe he's on the decline and they don't believe that he's worth that kind of money right now. They can do something else, you know, cheaper or better. So, you know, they're moving on, but yeah, I mean, it's the, the franchise tag sucks for players. It's great for, for ownership and it's great for, um, for, uh, you know, trying to negotiate contracts. But the problem is, is usually once you do a franchise tag on somebody that means they're out. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's just a way to, it's just a way to, to, you know, to keep a player around for one more year. So I don't expect Lamar Jackson to be back in Buffalo or be back in Baltimore. I really don't. Yeah, that's um, that's kind of my. I don't believe he's going to get fully guaranteed. We were using that as the example yesterday with Pollard, right? I'm like, yeah, why why would Jerry give him a deal when all he can do is slap the tag on him at at ten million? Which, by the way, the franchise tag for running backs now is the second lowest franchise tag that exists. The only one that's lower 10 million, than him. Right? Yeah, ten million. The only one that's lower, dude, is now kicker slash punter at five point three. Tight ends have a higher <laughs> value now than running backs. So wow. Jerry could slap a tag on him and be like, "All right, one more year at this rate, uh, we're already taking up a significant, significant cap portion." And uh, until they release Zeke, I didn't even know if you know this. Did you know that almost thirteen percent of the Cowboys' cap right now is tied up in running backs? Thirteen percent. Now, when they release Zeke, that will clearly go down, but that just shows you some of the poor decisions that the franchise has made uh, over the last couple of years. But, but yeah, I, I, the same thing with Pollard. He'll, he'll be another tag year, and then he can move about and um, get a reduced rate at that time because of his position and his age. I, um, you know, I think you know, we haven't really touched on it. We were talking about quarterbacks earlier, but the Daniel Jones situation, the fact that we're up in arms about this one, and you're you, again, you hit it, you hit it dead on earlier. I was listening to you, like I said, coming home, and I was like, "What they paid him in about 13 minutes is going to be like the 15th rated quarterback yeah. in the league." Yeah. And they they did what they thought they did what they thought they could do. They gave him a, a contract that very very soon is going to be right where he should be, and they've decided to go with the good quarterback over trying to start over again or go out and try to find a great or elite quarterback and and have to pay a bunch more money for him. Yeah. Look, That's how they've decided to manage their cap. And I think it's I think it's uh it's smart. We make fun of these teams because the of uh, the constant struggle to find one. I, that's not me saying that it's easy to find one. It's not. Through the history of the NFL, it might be one of the more difficult things that you can find is to find the elite level guy. And when you have one, it's the holy grail. And no one, and I mean no one, thinks that Daniel Jones is that. But you still have to structure it a certain way. Um, and, and they did with all the, the guaranteed money signing up front that he'll have. And the way that they did it, dude, 
after two years of the majority of the guaranteed money, year three, it's not that significant of a hit to get out from underneath them. But they 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 saw the value in a guy not having to start over who looked much better this year than what he did, who kind of fits the mold of their offense. And now you would give him year two under Dabble. That, that's the going rate for a guy that is going to be middle tier, about 14th or 15th in terms of money per year per average for a quarterback, which is right where he should be. Dabble's system is quarterback friendly. You know, Joe's going to continue to, to, to get better and play good. Um, it's, it's just what it's, – it's that system. Um, and I'm not saying he's not, he's not a good quarterback, but, I mean, seriously, look at wherever he's been. I mean, this is the same coach that, that brought Josh Allen to the forefront, and Josh had some issues playing this year. And a lot of it um, – obviously, he did have the arm injury, but a lot of it goes back to losing his offense coordinator and trying to adjust again. So, um, no, I think, I think it was completely smart. It's just – you know, I just I, – I, I get so – it's laughable to me. <clears throat> excuse me. It's laughable to me the guys that as soon as somebody gets a contract, he ain't worth that. How, how do you know? <laughs> you're probably the same guy that you're probably the same guy that's fired up that your your alma mater just gave some high school kid a 1.5 million dollars to show up on campus. If you want to talk about you know somebody not being worth something, um, let's go there. But. You know, it's it's hard for me to to listen to a lot of it. It's also it's also a lot of fun. It's pretty hilarious. Of course, it is. It's it is. It's a lot of fun to see the fake outrage that, or as Chris Rock said, selective outrage that comes along with society <laughs> uh, today on it on a daily basis. Because uh, and by the and by the way, I don't mean to cut you off, but I know we're probably we're probably limited on time, but I want to get to it. I mean, what better quarterback in San Francisco than Lamar Jackson? So I was looking at that today, and <laughs> the way that this would have to work out is is that he signs the tender, um, and then once he is signed, then it is full-on trade capabilities. Because now you got to remember, Frisco doesn't have – the first round pick and the the cachet of picks that they have but oh trust me dude i was already looking at at see what math you have to work but yeah he would have to sign that and then they could uh commence and trade uh trade scenarios after that case so yeah i've 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 been fully immersed in that in niners twitter today and i will say this phil duffy's gonna have to make a big decision too because while he had a good year, are we um, are we really going to pay Jalen Hurts over fifty million a year, which is what he wants? And there's another one for you, right? And uh, who knows more? I mean, it's kind of trending that way, isn't it? Seems to be. Yep, it is. Most definitely, it is indeed. All right, dude. Uh, how much of uh, before I let you go? I got to ask you. I know you text me, but. Bones walks in there on Saturday night. I it's still the mental image of of a hefty bones that I'm not used to yet, but he 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 walks in there at 260 something and chokes that dude out in in like a minute flat. I I I I don't know if stunned is the right word, but I just didn't quite expect that. But uh yeah, I still don't so know. Did he what... have to cut weight? Did he have to cut weight to make weight? Oh uh, no, no, no. Like I'll send you what well, I, what I was gonna say is it's heavyweight, is it is it what's the weight limit for heavyweight? Two sixty five. Okay, so he's right at the weight limit. 
So, well, he weighed in at like 248, but you know how they balloon back up. So he was probably in that 260 range that was there. Um, well, first of all, when he come walking in the ring, it, it was <laughs> – I haven't seen Bones in a long time, so it was nice to see that he's still a lunatic. Yes. Um, you know, and his – I don't – you know, he was – whatever the hell he was doing. But you realize – it. This is what you're going to see out of John John Jones now. This is the new John Jones because there is not a heavyweight out there that can wrestle with him. Not one. And the days of him being a striker, uh, an elite striker like he's been, and so unorthodox, I think are are probably he's more limited. Are yes. Probably next in time. Yeah. Um, I really, honestly think he's going to do the same thing as Stipe. Yeah, I think you'd I I make him a, a easy favorite against Stipe. So he would be two fights in, right? And I don't know how much like that we would actually know. I because I came away and I like I I was excited that he won just because I'm a, still a dork holdover fan. Like, look, I, I it's difficult with me with Bones because he's done some things that he's a scumbag out of out of the cage, right? But in the cage, yeah. it's like okay, dude is phenomenal. So. I struggle with that, but I still was expecting maybe at least to go into the second round or so because I don't know what we what we know other than what you just brought up about Bones at heavyweight. I I thought he was going to go into the second round. I thought he was going to try to do a little bit of a little bit of stand up. But like you said after the fight, he goes he, he felt goofy on his feet. It had been a long time, and you could tell when he came in. He the kicks were a little bit different because i'm sure that the weight and things like that uh change some stuff but i just nothing amazes me anymore with that guy did nothing you, amazes me so he he dude he was cramming down 220 grams of protein a day he was on his heavy workout days. They had him on forty five hundred calories a day, and on his light days, he was at four thousand calories to try to beef his ass up. So, if he wasn't that, if they weren't doing that to him, what would he walk around the street at? I think he said that he typically walks around um, somewhere in the neighborhood around two two fifteen, two twenty ish, no higher than like two twenty five, probably. Well, did you watch the Dana the Dana White post fight press conference? I did. Yes, I thought that was that that was really good. That was hilarious, and I thought the thing that cracked me up is when Dana White made the comment. He was talking to the guy I can't remember his name, the other higher up at UFC, mm-hmm. and you know after the question of so what's next for John Jones, we talk about Stipe, and he's like, look, man, we're talking about John, like. Anything can happen between now and the next fight. <laughs> yes, like, yes. He's like, so I honestly cannot tell you what's next. Now, granted, he wants the Stipe fight. He's motivated to fight Stipe. That's probably where we go. Is it international fight week? I don't know, but he will fight Stipe. But it's John. I have no idea when that's going to happen. And he goes, if it was up to us, we'd have him on a private jet right now flying himself back to Albuquerque so he has no chance to do anything in Las Vegas. Yes, 1,000%. 
the, it's like the paths that he could go, he could be in jail. He could crash his car into someone else again for like the third time, right? He could be popped for another DUI. He could pop positive. He the, like there's like a hundred things that could happen. <laughs> exactly. So Dan is like, he's finally learned his lesson. He's like, I'm not saying nothing, man. He's like, let's take it day by day and just figure out where John is in a little bit. Yeah. That's all we can do. That's the best step forward for sure with John Jones. <laughs> and uh, I hope I hope the goodness that they continue. I know that Dana White's going to have pressure on him to, to elevate him really, really quickly. But I hope he – I hope he lets – he lets Bo Nickel have a few more kind of tune-up, get-yourself-acclimated fights. I hope they don't put him in too soon with just some, with just some killer. Some a murderer. That's... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because I'm, I'm going to tell you what, he's different than the other guys that have been the wrestlers. Like, he does have skills. I oh, mean, yeah. He does have good striking and things like that. Well, he knocked guys out um, in the contender series. He didn't, he didn't right, submit them. He right. knocked them out. Right. So, but – Still, I just I don't want him to get ruined because I think he's going to be a really good one. And he, and you know, obviously I follow him because we're being where I'm from, we're Penn State wrestling fans and everything. And but you know he that was it was off. You know the two guys I wanted to see was Bo and Bones, and both of them combined lasted about two minutes. Listen, Bo is an is another. He may not be in terms of ring time yet, but Bo is a straight assassin too. Right, anyone. Yeah. Anyone that got moved up to varsity at eighth grade and was wrestling and finished second in state in New Mexico goes to Allen, finishes runner-up freshman year, then wins three straight state championships, then finishes runner-up freshman year at Penn State and wins three national championships is an absolute animal. I don't care. That dude, yes, about three or four years from now, he's going to be at the top of the world for sure. I hope so. I hope that's the case. I really do, and it, and it's nice that he's able to compete in the same weight class he basically wrestled in college. I agree. Good stuff today, man. Appreciate you jumping on, and uh, we'll be in touch soon, my man. All right, we'll see you, fellas. Right. Have a good day. Sounds good. That's the big O, Jerry Ostrowski, joining us here on the Blitz 1170. Hey, tomorrow on the road for the very first time over at Roosters in Owasso, 86th Street North. It is March hoop season, baby. Right now. I'm watching former Memphis Tigers head coach Josh Pastner and Georgia Tech fight off Pitt. It's 50-49, to 49. and tomorrow, while all the games are going on, it will be the Big 12's turn. So we'll be hanging out, watching those games in the Big 12 tournament. Roosters, 86th Street North with our friends from Coors Light. It's a chance for you to scan the QR code, and you can be on your way to Kansas City. That's tickets to the T-Mobile Center. It's also a three-night stay at a hotel and then some spending cash to go in your pocket, all courtesy of our good friends at Coors Light and us, the Blitz 1170. Thank you for listening to this exclusive Blitz 1170 podcast from Bravado Wireless.